What is going on, everyone? This is Miles with Windows Central Gaming, and today I am stoked to be joined once again by my good pal Joseph Moran of the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast. Joe, how you I, doing on this fine Saturday, my dude? I'm doing real good. I'm looking real forward to a lot of chats we're gonna have, maybe some spicy takes. Ooh. But uh, I'm ready to have them. I'm ready to have them. It's, it is a week for some spicy takes. There's been a lot of developments. And again, I'm excited to have you on. You know, you are a, a PlayStation-focused personality in, in the gaming community. And there have been a lot of PlayStation developments this week. So, yeah. you know, I wanted to make sure we had some nice balanced conversations as opposed to just dogpiling on PlayStation Plus being bad and Jim Ryan being a bad dad and whatever else is going around on the internet. Um, yeah, obviously, we're going to be talking about new Game Pass features. We're going to be talking about PlayStation Plus's refresh. We're going to be talking about the the new battleground of gaming subscription services. We're going to be talking about the death of E3 and so much more. So, so much more. But before we dive into all of that, for the amazing people joining us live on YouTube.com slash Windows Central Gaming or listening on audio services, let them know who you are and where they can find you. Oh, me? Just yeah. little old me? Little old you, yeah. I'm sorry, I was I was making a, a, a tweet at Elizabeth Warren. You can find me <laughs> over at Mr. Badbit on Twitter. You can find my show, The Trophy Room, uh, a PlayStation podcast, wherever you find your podcast services, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. It's where each and every Thursday, me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest and greatest in all things PlayStation. This week, we had the host of Beyond on Jonathan Dornbush, and we had an amazing conversation breaking down the PlayStation Spartacus reveal like we're going to do today. Um, so yeah, go ahead, check that out. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. It was it was a fantastic show, but not like this, because this oh. may be even this may be even better. Oh, you know? oh, thank you. That that really means a lot. Yeah, we're gonna have some fun today. There's a lot of stuff to dive into. Some quick housekeeping before we dive into the first topic of today's show. Um, if you haven't checked it out, Jez Corden and I have launched a new show on Windows Central Gaming called Checkpoint, which is not a podcast. I know I've had a lot of people say, hey, why isn't this on podcast services? This is a video focused show. It won't be on podcast services. I apologize. I hope you can find it in your hearts to forgive me. But it is a 20 ish minute video show on our channel mm -hmm. where we break down a lot of the biggest gaming news of the week. So if you haven't checked that out, give that a watch. And then if you're listening on audio versions, be sure to review the show. Um, again, we are late to the game on the audio version, so all of your reviews help get that out to the into the ether, out into the universe, and we really appreciate it. First topic of today's show is something that Jez Cord and I broke down on our episode of Checkpoint this week, and that is the fact that Xbox Game Pass is getting a family plan. There's been a lot of folks in the community who want that feature. If you have a lot of people within one household who wanna take advantage of the value of Xbox Game Pass, Pretty much everyone had to have a different subscription. I will give everyone here one pro tip. If there are only two people in the household, you can, you can fudge it with console sharing. So I have a Series X in my office. I have a Series S in my living room. I have set the Series S to my home console so my wife can take advantage of all the Game Pass games on there. So if you only have two Xboxes, that's a workaround. You don't need that family plan. But if you have up to five people in your household, it sounds like this family plan will have you covered mm. we don't have official pricing yet 
So it's hard to say exactly where this will land, but for up to five people, it's safe to say that this will be significantly cheaper than subscribing with five different accounts. Mm -hmm. So Joe, are yes. you currently an Xbox Game Pass subscriber? I happen to be, and I'm not at the $1 oh. tier either. What? I've been a game. I know it. Listen, we exist. Some of us do pay full price for Game Pass. Um, but no, for me, uh, I've been a Game Pass subscriber for like, I mean, I've, I think since Sea of Thieves dropped. I think there was like a lull where, where, where it lapsed. But like, I've been a Game Pass subscriber for a minute now. I'm interested in how this family plan would roll out because I'm all about saving some money. So like, is this going to work? like how like the nintendo online works where like i could just find four other friends and we can like you know huddle together and, and share a game pass that's that's my assumption is that you would have basically five xbox accounts that you would link to it similar to the nintendo switch where you kind of get everyone in um and again according to the terms and conditions it sounds like it's quote unquote a household but uh according to some details that jez shared it seems like it's geo-based. So as long as you're pretty much in the same country, more than likely you'll be able to, you know, spread that household a little bit. The, the yeah. terms of what a household is might be a little loose. Um, and then okay. who knows, maybe they'll become a nefarious villain like Netflix and say, you know what? If you're sharing your password, $3 a pop, let's go. All right. We're tracking That's that IP worst. address. We're, we're hunting you down. We're shutting this deal down. Um, so something Jez and I talked a little bit about here, and I want to pose this question to you and anyone watching. Um, if you're looking at the current big picture of Xbox Game Pass, what it offers, are there any omissions to you right now? Are there any features that you want to see? Obviously, I personally think Xbox Game Pass is far and away the best deal in gaming for, for various reasons, day and date, a huge library of titles, blah, 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 cloud gaming, blah, blah, blah. But... Are there any things that you feel are missing as we're working towards this kind of battle of the subscription services and trying to, you know, build the ultimate gaming subscription? Yeah, I so first as the host of, you know, the Trophy Room, a PlayStation show, you would think, no, Game Pass, it sucks. Again, everybody's <laughs> in it for a dollar. The developers, I'm thinking about them. Hearts, my you know, <laughs> prayers go out to them being on this service i don't know um it is the best deal in gaming hands down like this week didn't change any of that yeah, xbox game pass is if you are into the xbox ecosystem if you're into their first party games it is a no-brainer to me it's like why don't you have game pass if you're an xbox person at this point um so there's not much that they can like theoretically do for me but i do see them like go like hey here's paramount plus for a month here's crunchy roll for a month you know here's these little doodads and knickknacks that you get every month just for being a subscriber they really want you to feel like you want to be here rather than having to be here so i think the one thing that they can do and when we talk about spartacus it, this will definitely get brought up again is an annual plan give me give me a good annual plan a good discounted rate of like, instead of paying, I don't know, 180, I'm paying 150 for this year plan of Xbox Game Pass. Because to me, that's how I like to roll my subscription services. I love getting the big bundle and then to me saving, you know, a good like 20, 30 bucks by doing that. I think that's, to me, 
one of the the big things they could do. What about you? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I would love to see an annual discounted price because, yeah, I'm in the $15 a month for Game Pass Ultimate kind of tier. Um, and yeah, it would be nice to say I'm going to have this for a year. No questions. Like like you said, I signed up for Game Pass when Sea of Thieves dropped and I've been signed up ever since. Um, and yeah, you know, if I go through and do the math, which I've seen some people on Twitter doing the math about how much money I've wasted on Xbox Game Pass because I'm only renting these games. And yeah, that's, you know, that's another conversation that hurts my brain and I'm not going to go into it. But yeah, if I could do annual discounted rates, I think that would be huge. And I really, really hope that that is the case with the family plan, because let's say hypothetically, the family plan is 30 bucks, 30 bucks a month or, or whatever. If there is no annual price, 30 bucks a month, that's going to add up in a year. That's going to be a pretty, pretty big chunk. And yep. so I do hope that they look at that and offer that as a way to give a good discount. Um, something that I talked about on Checkpoint is the fact that with Xbox's emphasis on cloud gaming, I think it's a little bit weird that Nintendo is really the only one doing online multiplayer for their retro games. Um, so that's something that, again, statistically i'm sure there's only a small number of people some gaming boomers like myself who want to play fusion frenzy online and i get that that's not probably a huge priority for most people but that being said considering game pass has this huge library of retro titles and backwards compatible titles i would love to see them leverage their cloud support and let me play those games online with a friend and i would love for them quite frankly to have an option to play any local only multiplayer game in a, in a cloud setting, but I get it's complicated. And again, probably not a priority, but still, um, that is one area that I think when I look at how they can improve the value proposition of Xbox game pass ultimate specifically, that is one way they can do it. Cause there's, there's perks, you get Xbox live gold, but a lot of people have complaints about gold and really gold. If we're being brutally honest, just serves as a as a paywall for online multiplayer that only exists on the console side of Xbox ecosystem. So I don't really think that for me personally that that is a a value proposition. I think that is a way that on paper they can push marketing words and say Game Pass Ultimate is a better value because you get gold and gold's normally nine ninety nine a month, whatever. Yeah, I, I saw I saw Jez tease like, oh Xbox, you might see them remove that online barrier. Um. And to me, like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, first off, that'd be great. But how, how does that impact Xbox in terms of, like, the added benefits? Because to me, I'm thinking purely out of, out of business. I want to pack this thing with per, so much perceived value that it, it is unignorable. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, like, by saying, yeah, you could play your games online. You could cloud stream on this thing. And you get, you know, our, our games day and date on this service that's already a really attractive like you know proposition by getting rid of one of those things to me it kind of and i'm not saying like this is a negative light but kind of devalues it a little bit in a business land i want to make sure that uh, again this thing is is unignorable so like to me uh the one thing i know i think xbox does this too they do and I, yeah they do so i would like to see more of is like you know, Halo Infinite, when you're playing, you get like a weapon skin every month. I think doing more of that for their first party games and then even th- some third party games would be something that could benefit them. So like, 
you know, I know Apex Legends may have a deal with PlayStation because they have some some weapon skins over there. But like, why not have an Xbox, you know, akin uh, deal with Apex or with Fortnite as well? Those games are so big that, you know, I don't think one ecosystem could exclusively tie them down. But like give more benefits to players, I think, is really important, because though I think Paramount Plus is a great tie in and Crunchyroll is a, is a great way to get people into a service, I don't think that is going to sustain people for the long haul at this very point in time. I agree. I love the perk system. I think they've had, you know, frequently really amazing kind of partnerships in there, but I would love to see first party leveraged in an integrator yeah. capacity. Or like you mentioned, Fortnite. Imagine if they put Master Chief and get the Master Chief Fortnite character. If that was a Game Pass perk, ooh. Let's yeah. I, I was tempted. I, I'll be real. Like I don't play a ton of Fortnite, but when Master Chief was there, I had that credit card ready. Pay twenty five bucks, and I was like, "Give me banjo, throw banjo in there." Yeah, let's go. Like, but what? And then I had to stop myself. Like, don't you don't play a lot of Fortnite? Don't throw away twenty five dollars. The Master Chief can sit in this digital world alone for the rest of time. But um, I did, I did it. And, and when only he comes I'm back, play, I'm doing it because he's yeah. The only way I'm gonna play the Master Chief on on PlayStation right now, you know? Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Come on. Kratos on Xbox and Master Chief. Beautiful. On PlayStation, what a beautiful world to live in, you know? But also, you know, actually thinking about, like, other incentives, <laughs> if if Bernie doesn't get his way, um, with the Activision Blizzard deal, throwing things like, you know, first off, all those Activision games, that's going to be beautiful, but also throwing in things like the World of Warcraft subscription in there for folks oh, yeah. is going to be a great way to incentivize people to get into Game Pass. So I, I think as more... As more games litter Game Pass and as more game or more legacy games come into the storefront as well with that Activision Blizzard deal, um, I, I think it's going to be improved that way. I think we have to look at it in terms of how does it affect the gamer and not just throw outside like Crunchyroll or Netflix monthly free stuff in there as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Having it more focused on the the quote unquote gamers is is a good approach. And again, if you yeah. can add value to the games people are playing regularly, yeah, they are more inclined to stay signed up for that service, especially on the more premium tier. Yeah. Again, fifteen bucks a month. It's fifteen bucks a month. Yeah, I mean, and then when Call of Duty, what in twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, you get all those uh, perks as well. Like, you're gonna have a reason to stay on Game Pass as more content rolls in let's go let's keep that momentum right and that's the, the key that's right. thing is you drop big games like forza you drop big games like halo infinite and then there's the the lulls where we don't have games for a little bit and you still have to leverage third-party partnerships you still gotta leverage perks leverage some kind of incentives to keep people signed up and that's that's how you maintain a subscription service and that's how you grow a subscription service and they're doing a good job i think leveraging oh, yeah. third-party trying to fill in perks like the Paramount Plus thing with the Halo TV series. That's something that I was shouting for, you know, months ahead of launch. Like, please do that. Like, if you don't do that, that is such a huge fumble for Guardians. Like, yeah. yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, a game that was in a lot of the game of the year conversations. But they're doing a good job, despite, you know, some of the criticism regarding first party. They are doing a good job trying to make Game Pass consistently. Compelling. Yeah. But now this is the part of the show where I'm excited to have you on as the PlayStation guy. And before oh, we get no. into that, I got to give a shout out to everyone joining us live. If you are watching on YouTube, hit that like button, share out the show, all that great stuff, because we are going to get into some of the 
the, the basically roller coaster of emotions that happened this week regarding Xbox versus PlayStation and the, the rumor cycle, the, the acquisition cycle, all that great stuff. So after a great deal of speculation and a report from Bloomberg, PlayStation Plus 2.0 has officially been revealed. We have all of the juicy details on the three tiers of PlayStation's new refreshed subscription service that combines all the benefits of PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now into one convenient package. So let me break down exactly what these three tiers are, just so everyone has context for what PlayStation is offering here. So the first tier, PlayStation Plus Essential, $9.99 a month or $60 for a year, and this acts essentially as PlayStation Plus as it was in the past. You get your monthly games, exclusive discounts, cloud storage, online multiplayer. The next tier is PlayStation Plus Extra, which is $15 a month or $100 a year. And this adds a catalog of 400 PS4 and PS5 games. One quick note here is all of the games in this tier are downloadable, can be played natively. And the final tier is PlayStation Plus Premium, which is $18 a month or $120 a year. And this adds 340-ish games via PS3 cloud streaming and then PS1, PS2, PSP. And that is a mix of cloud streaming as well as native titles. So I'm excited to get your perspective on this, Joe, because yeah. you, you primarily play on PlayStation. So this, this service for you, I think for a lot of people on PlayStation, was designed to kind of increase the value proposition of PlayStation. Plus and make the, you know, PlayStation Now's offerings more compelling. So how do you feel about what PlayStation is offering here? I need to preface this real, again, I need to preface this again. Game Pass is the best dealing <laughs> And it seems like for the foreseeable future will remain the best deal in gaming. You just, there's no argument. It's, it is the best. Now, now that you Xbox fans got your got, <laughs> got full on that information, here's 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 the other thing. Something could be the best while another thing could be just fine. What? Right? Like I know it. Like no, it, no, it, no, there's, no. I'm not condemn a it to hell. Right I now. don't. I don't work in absolutes. <laughs> what I will say is this is imperfect. Um, by all means, I think. So I think this is fine. Honest to goodness, I think most of it is fine. I think as I'm looking at the PlayStation side of, of the conversation, we're mostly annoyed at the premium tier. And I feel like this service could have been great. Like right now, this is rocking out a six or a seven to me, right? It's like, good, it's fine. This could have been an 8.5 is what I'm trying to tell folks because <laughs> people love them numbers. Because if you just rolled in, Hey, you get backwards compatibility, you get, you know, streaming for $14.99. Well, then you're like, okay, I can, I mean, it's no day and date, but like, at least I can play some classic games like Siphon Filter on here. Yeah, at least I'm getting some cool backwards compatibility stuff and some cloud streaming stuff. That's, that's where I think they, they, they done guffed. <laughs> They done guffed. <laughs> they, they done guffed. Because to me, I'm looking at the extra tier going, all right. And this is my other problem with it. If that library is good, I'm in. But the problem with this rollout isn't the fact that it doesn't have day and day. That's actually one of the, my least concerns. It's actually the fact that they, sh they told us how much we're going to pay for this thing and really not much else. 
Like they're yeah. like, yeah, you're going to get God of War. You're going to get Returnal. You're going to get Miles Morales. Okay. And what about the other 497 games? <laughs> they're like, and at a later date. It's like. TBD. TBD. Yeah. It, it really did feel like they're just. They they put this thing out there because they know that they're going to talk to their stockholders in a day or two. Um, and they want to show that they're hip. And they also have a, a service. So that's really my my biggest, like woe is like i don't i feel like the premium tier is a tack on it doesn't feel premium and the fact that this rollout just feels like it lacks soul if that makes any sense that does because yeah. i've seen a lot of you know obviously there are have been a lot of direct comparisons to xbox game pass with you know playstation xbox constantly being pitted against each other and yeah. a lot of the the mar messaging from you know reports ahead of this were were saying that like PlayStation Plus is going to reveal its answer, quote unquote, to Xbox Game Pass. And there's a lot of people because of that expecting it to be this one to one. I agree that I think the rollout was not that exciting and the rollout in terms of pricing, especially in my opinion, huge fumble. I yeah. don't, to me, there is no need for three tiers. I think that's completely unnecessary. And the fact that your third tier is $18 a month. When you're, you're, if we are looking at the direct competition, their premium tier is fifteen dollars a month, and people are saying, "Well, I like their tier more. I get, yeah, you know, I I get more perceived value from their tier. Why is yours more expensive?" So I think that is a fumble. If I was PlayStation, I would have said we have the PlayStation Plus base tier, the cheaper tier, and then we have the fifteen dollars a month tier, and that includes everything. Fifteen dollars yeah. a month—that is the baller tier with everything. <laughs> Um, because a lot of people are complaining about PS3 being only cloud streaming. Yep. Like you said, they are telling you that if you pay $18 a month, you get 740 games, which is huge. That is impressive, <laughs> but they're not even going to give us 10 games that are in that list. Like, yeah, what the hell and, is that about? And to me, it's like, and also not giving the consumer the option of buying those PS2 games. Like they didn't talk anything about, about what they're doing outside of the streaming service in terms That's of like, true can I buy dark cloud? You know, <laughs> like I did back on, on PS4. Like, can I go out there and buy, you know, ratchet and clank on PS2? Like, do I have to be, you know, you know, subscribed here to get that I think is another fumble and something where like, again, the perceived value will be greater as more and more this library is, is trickled out. The other problem that I have with it was when they say regularly updated, why just can't you say monthly? Like <laughs> to me, That's it's too like too big of a commitment. No, no, regularly at a well, cadence like, we determine is regular. <laughs> yeah, it's like you guys already do monthly like rollouts with PlayStation Now, so just say monthly. <laughs> like I don't, I don't get it. So to me, the rollout is the most infuriating thing, and I think I want to I want to get this one out, out out here in the ether. I hate the comparisons between Game Pass and Spartacus or whatever the new tiers because to me. I think Matt Piscatella said it perfectly. It's like, if you bought a console right now, I think it's a like less than one to five people own both. Exactly. So obviously yeah. they're making their, people are making their decisions and sticking to the boxes. So if Game Pass was appealing to you, you probably already own an Xbox. And if it wasn't, you probably own a PlayStation. And I feel like people are losing track of this. Xbox, its brand's focus is Game Pass. They believe that's where the future is going to be. And that's not to say they don't care if they sell 
you know, their consoles. They obviously do. Yeah. But to me, when I take a look at the Xbox ecosystem, the brand or, or sorry, the, the, the hardware complements the software. Right. So like Xbox doesn't mind if you're playing on a, C, a series S or X or PC or tablet or phone. They just want you to be subscribed to the service. Whereas if you're taking a look at the PlayStation side, it's in reverse. They care about you buying the hardware and the software is complementary to it. And I feel like that's what people are losing track of, um, you know, as <laughs> and that tangent aside is it's really like this service is really just complimentary. If you have a PlayStation, you may be interested in it. But my biggest problem here is like if you're a PlayStation fan, like like I, like I stated earlier with Xbox is like if you're an X, if you own an Xbox, you should be owning Game Pass right now with with this this new tier. I don't see the need for you to go anywhere above essential. And, that's, and I think that's where I'm at. I have, you know, I'm one of the, I guess, elite few, according to Matt Piscatella, who has a, a PS5 and a Series yeah. X. I'm grateful for that. But looking at this as someone who does like PlayStation, who plays my PlayStation, I personally don't see a huge drive for me to upgrade beyond the fact that I quote unquote have to pay for online and have to pay for cloud saves with the the essential playstation plus games generally speaking have been solid and there's been a lot of great offerings there and if they're going to continue that trend then cool i'm i'm absolutely happy with essential but like you yeah. said with on the xbox camp the value is absolutely astronomical so if you're paying ten dollars a month for gold uh, like the incentive to just convert that to game pass ultimate for five bucks, like to me, that value proposition is a lot more appealing, appealing than what PlayStation is offering here. Yeah. And I totally agree. I think for PlayStation people and PlayStation fans, especially legacy fans who've been PlayStation players for a long time, those retro titles will be compelling. As, as you know, I made fun of myself when Nintendo did the expansion, Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack. Because again, the value proposition there for someone who's outside of Nintendo is probably bad. Looking at that, you're like, yeah. They're charging that for that. And then me, who's like, oh, I love Nintendo 64. <laughs> I'm just the idiot who bought the year pass because yeah. those titles are important to me. And I'm not here to tell you what's important to you. Um, but I think that if you are a PlayStation player, there will be some, some compelling titles here. Yeah. Speaking on the retro stuff, Ooh, okay. are, there, are there any specific titles that you feel that this service has to have or that would make you instantly sign up for the, the premium tier? You know what I was thinking about is the the games that won't be there. So like I would love to see Crash and I would love to see Spyro. Those aren't coming to this service. <laughs> <laughs> the things that helped make PlayStation, the uh, games that like I aligned so heavily with as with my childhood are not going to be on this service. But you know, there is a big soft spot for me on PS2 when it comes to games like Time Splitters 2. Oh. Oh. Time Splitters 2 was Banger. the GOAT for a very, you know, I'll allow it. It's <laughs> just phenomenal. It is one of the best, like, pre or like just a little post Halo shooter that you can get. And I would just love the opportunity to experience that again because I remember playing with my friends and like playing against bots and like all the characters were stupid. You'd have like a, like a sock like a sock puppet versus like a candy cane. Like you <laughs> loved it because the shooting was so good. So I would love to see time splitters in there. I would love them to confirm some classic Ratchet and Clank. 
But there's some titles that like I because you know I was like nine, I I didn't have this disposable income on, so like I would love to you know play like Animusha, you know oh, yeah. games that I missed out on. Um, you know, I would love to play the classic GTAs on here, not the remake thing, not that abomination, but like the classic GTAs on here. Um, Siphon Filter is a huge love of, 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 of my life when it comes to the PS1 or even just like Wave Race, I believe. No, wait, was that 64? Oh, 64. Yeah. Wave Race. Is- no, 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 no. They, nice try, dude. Yeah. Nice try. No, PlayStation had like a, like a Wave Race clone back in the day that I loved. I remember playing it on PlayStation. Give me one of them, you know, but like for me, I'm not much of the retro gamer because I play, I like, I I play the classics and I'm just like, oh, control, it doesn't control well. It should should control better. To me, I feel like the most important thing when it comes to retro stuff is give me trophies. (laughs) If I can unlock trophies, I mean, I have... I have a thirst and a hunger <laughs> for unlocking platinums, but I'm not going to go cheat myself and get those easy plats for like a dollar, like my co-host. I'm sorry, like Kyle, you have a problem. Rand? I see you in the chat, Rand. I, yeah, Rand. that's right. I know I know what you've done. You know what you've done. <laughs> how, how much you had to sacrifice to get that million, Rand? Garrison, how much you had to sacrifice? Garrison got your back. Jet Moto. Jet Moto. Jet Moto. Is, yes. Thank you. Yes. So, dude, so good. Um, but like, to me, I'm like, by unlocking like, uh, trophies, which we've seen the blueprints and the schematics of like having PS2 games unlock trophies and PSP, if I wasn't mistaken, we're supposed to get trophy support. That would be dope. Also, speaking of PSP, dude, all the classic, like the card, uh, Metal Gear game. Oh my God. Get, get that in there. Get, get, um, get all the dynasty warriors in there. Like the PSP has a great library attached to it. Start like that's actually the thing that excites me is the fact that they have PSP support on here, and how awful it's gonna look on a huge blown up screen. Two forty p blown up to four k. Yeah, exactly. Go. Let's it's gonna go, be baby. it's gonna be beautiful. But like that's actually what I would really want because that would incentivize me to play uh, the classics. Yeah, there for me, I love PlayStation One era. PlayStation One era to me was one of the most wild and inventive periods in gaming. Like the Mm -hmm. teams were allowed to make whatever they wanted and really experiment in amazing ways. And that led to so many cool games that we don't see anymore. So for me, there's, there's a couple PS one standouts that I, I would need to see in there for me to even consider signing up Tumba first and foremost, that is (laughs) such a sleeper hit. Tumba is you and Kyle, man. (laughs) Oh my God. That game does not get enough cred. Does not get enough love. I would Mm -hmm. go back and play Tumba one in a heartbeat. Tumba two that can be lost to time forever. I wouldn't really mind. Um, another series that I love and wish PlayStation would revisit in a modern era is ape escape. If they could give me ape escape one through three in that collection, mm, let's go. I'm ready. That introduced the, the, that was one of the first games that ever had dual stick support. Yeah. One of that was the game that like pretty much forefronted dual stick gaming. And I remember being blown away by that technology back in the day. Yeah. I w- uh, what is it? A Legend of Dragoon? A Kyle always like a Joe. You never even oh, heard of like, yeah. oh. couldn't even couldn't even JR like RPGs for me did not get on the scene until like I think really Mass Effect for me. I would never really mess with RPGs 
as a kid. I was really much like, give me an RTS, which is, mm. I know, me RTS, or like a first person shooter. And that was really what I was, I was at when I was a kid. But like Legend of Dragoon, like there's so many things I feel like I missed because again, I was just a, a yay little top, not even this high. So like, yeah, I would love to, to, you know, for all these gaming legends uh, have told me this game, like, you know, like, what is it? Guns of the Patriots? No, not Guns of the Patriots. Uh, uh, what's MGS2? What's, uh, what's the oh, title of that one? Oh, God. Sons uh, of Liberty. Yeah, there you yeah go. yes. Like, I want, I want to know why that game is so revered. Even that series, because I'm not, I, I fell in love with Kojima with Death Stranding. So, like, I know, I know, yell at me, it's a walking sim, I get it. But I, I want to find out why these games are so legendary. And I think there's a great opportunity to, to experiment and to, to kind of just, yeah, make some deals with some folks that get some classic games, like classic Tomb Raider. I know my sister-in-law would love. Yeah, there are a, a lot, again, as someone who's been uh, gaming for quite some time, has had my, my quote-unquote loyalty, if you will, bounce around. Uh, Super Nintendo was my first console. Then I got the PS1, and then, then GameCube, OG, Xbox. So I've been all over the place. And I have, have that nostalgia for a lot of these titles and kind of understand the importance of, of them you know, in hindsight. Because like you said, when you're nine, you don't really know a game's important. You're like, this is cool. Yeah. giant robots that's awesome dude i i would freak out if star wars what is it terracassi arena dropped like i love that game and it's awful it's like like bubba fett is shooting darth vader in the chest you know what i mean like it doesn't make sense but like i loved it as a kid was battle chasers as well like just put all the star wars games in there go you know pile them on pile them on Give me Shadows of the Empire while you're at it. I know it's N64. Just put it in there. Just put, yeah, why? Tear down the barriers. <laughs> Honestly, if there is one game that I would legitimately freak out for getting like a remake or just a remaster, like like Aspire Media does it, is like if I see a Dark Forces or, you know, um, Shadows of the Empire, I would legitimately lose my 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 cool. <laughs> like that's that's my ape escape, man. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I'm going to get to some super chats. I'm going to give a shout out to all the amazing people joining us live. I see Fawns in the chat. I see Rand Al Thor, Yo Donnie, Harjeet Chani, Mr. Joanna Dark, Nine Lives. A lot of amazing regular faces here tuning in, supporting the show. Really appreciate it. Let's get to some super chats here. Yo Donnie, who's been a member for seven months, says Kirby is my favorite Nintendo mascot. Is he yours now? You know what? I got to say, I rolled credits on Kirby and the Forgotten Land last night. Yep. The best Kirby game ever made. Kirby, I love Kirby. I've loved Kirby. But I've also accepted that most Kirby games are okay. Most Kirby games are not fantastic. And that hurts me. And when I saw this game revealed, I was hoping that they were finally going to give Kirby the respect he deserves. Give him that Super Mario Odyssey glow up. And they did it. I will not say it's on the same level as Odyssey because Odyssey is one of the best games ever made. It is the best 3D platformer ever made, and Kirby's not quite on that level, but... I don't oh. know if I agree with these Nintendo takes. Stop. Just accept the truth, all right? You may, you may not best like 3D it. Mario? I said oh, the best 3D platformer. I didn't say the best 3D Oof. Mario. Yeah, no. I, don't even... I know you're used to, like, Ratchet and Clank or whatever that you have to no, suffer no, through no, on no, PlayStation. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
Listen, uh, Mario Odyssey is the most overrated Mario game. Okay, so, I mean, we are about 3D to fist World, fight remotely. 3D World's the best 3D Mario game, but like 3D it's World. Not even close. I mean, yeah. it's good. It's fantastic. And Kirby sucks. Aha! Uh-huh. You better be joking, all right? That better be a clever wordplay. Oh. Listen, my, the great and late Nintendo guru hated uh, Kirby, and in his honor, I will hate Kirby as well. Okay, bad take. Bad, Mr. Bad Take, add it again. <laughs> add it once again here. Uh, Harji Chani dropping a code for Xbox Tiny Tina's US. RG, appreciate that. You could have DM'd me that. I don't have that game, so you could have just shot that to my DMs, but if you want to give it to someone else, fine. And that's fine. <laughs> it's right. really fun it's really fun i've heard it's fun and i've been tempted and i've been tempted but i'm working i've just i'm working on the post game of kirby and then i'm gearing up to do another playthrough of elden ring so we'll see fair, fair enough uh rand al thor 19 says here you go my beta buddy miles okay <laughs> question for mr bad take okay just insults oh. across the board do you find it interesting that all of jim ryan's pr about the service is about what it does not do rather than what it does well okay so that is actually going to segue perfectly into the next bit of our conversation about place yeah so with this reveal jim ryan came out did some interviews talked about the service was questioned about the service um, and there, there's a choice quote going around where he is basically talking about, you know, the virtuous cycle of, of development and how there is a concern that they will not be able to maintain the quality of first party titles if they decide to do day and date. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, are those claims legitimate or are those just <laughs> PR deflection for criticisms of the service? Oh man, a little bit of it, column A, column B. I love, I love when every time Jim Ryan talks, there's always a quote that, I, like, even I'm just like, come on, man. It's it's a gold mine. Every time he has an interview, it's like, wh- how, who wrote this? Virtuous what, cycle. What PR algorithm wrote this line, dude? <laughs> exactly. Virtue. No, I feel like I feel like this was legit him because no no PR person's like. What's this virtuous? Yes, virtuous cycle. Like, no, like virtuous cycle. <laughs> virtuous and I've cycle. had people come out and say that this is a business term and people use it. And that goes oh, back really? to like comparing Jim Ryan to Phil Spencer, where, you know, oh, Phil okay. Spencer has an air of authenticity that I think is relatable. And Jim Ryan is very much the business guy. He's business. Not yeah. saying that, that, that he's a bad person for being business savvy, but when you're talking to gamers and say, using terms like virtuous cycle, you're not winning any favor. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jim Ryan says a lot of things and, uh, some of them <laughs> just don't know why he does, but, um, let's talk about the day and day. Is it impossible for them to keep up? I think what he's saying is the, the level of investment you need to make a game right now is around $200 million, um, to make over the span of like four or five years. Um, and his argument is the games that his, he makes, um, or, or how I perceive his argument is the way that or the, the games that are currently in the PlayStation portfolio can't be made at that $15 per month tier. Like when you take a look at Horizon and you take a look at, you know, God of War, um, those games are, you know, they don't have microtransactions attached. They don't have a games as service element or a live service element to have people go out there and, and purchase, you know, a new like Aloy costume or a new like, you know, skin for for Kratos' axe. And so there's there's a bit of reality that has to be 
made here where it's like, yeah, no, Ghost of Tsushima is like pretty, pretty feature complete. Um, and so to me, taking a look at day and day, I, th I feel like their portfolio right now would hurt them business wise to put their games at, at 15 bucks. Because if it is, you know, what everybody says, a one and done experience, well, I beat Horizon in a month, I would then ergo get my, you know, you know, cancel my subscription. So in a business sense, that's why I don't feel like PlayStation is up to the task right now. Can they do it? I think so. Uh, I think there's, there's absolutely they, they could if they wanted to. I feel like they also have a great legacy of, of titles that they could throw on the service and make it appealing. But they know, as well as I know, that we are weak. <laughs> like we are we are a fickle bunch we will say a lot of stuff like real talk i've seen a lot of xbox dudes go i will never buy a 70 dollars game and then i saw them playing horizon forbidden west right so like to me there's a lot of like i say i won't purchase a 70 dollars game but they know that you will like or tiny tina's wonderland on series or, x or tiny tina's wonderland on series x so like they know that though i would love to pay 15 dollars for their games they know that the realization is that this audience doesn't necessarily mind paying money uh, or, or paying $60, $70 for games. And that's just like the hard reality is like they know that we're weak. <laughs> they know that they can get a little bit more money out of us in the next two to three years until we start expecting more from them as the 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 as Game Pass becomes a more um appealing service to the to the wider audience so like your red falls your starfields you know all the the playstation or sorry the xbox studios games start really coming out that's when playstation's going to really feel the pressure of doing that and so to me i feel like that's why we're getting so many games as service from playstation where you're you know you're getting jim ryan coming out there saying we're going to be making at least 10 plus games as service because they know that their portfolio needs to evolve and change to fit the changing landscape. So they know that they can keep games off day and date, their first party games off day and date right now, but they know it's an inevitability. There will be an eventuality where I go, yeah, why am I paying 70 bucks for God of War 3? Yeah, why am I paying this or for that? Because I can play Redfall and that's a really great game for 15 bucks a month. So I think as more games trickle out from Xbox and as they get their studios in line and become competitive in that sense, um, that's when you're going to see the push. But right now they know we're weak. And, and I genuinely mean that. Like we talk a really big game on social media. None of us are really going to be able to back it up because if that was the case, Nintendo would be out of business right now. <laughs> like they, Like Nintendo knows real talk. They can give their audience six months to buy Mario and then take it off the storefront and people will buy millions of copies. And it's the number one selling game on Amazon. They could they could repackage a Wii U game for 60 bucks and they know it'll sell millions of units. Just take a look at half of the Switch's lineup, right? <laughs> like they know they can make one of the most just undervalued services that is Nintendo Online. And they'll their audience will eat it up and we look at them going you guys are crazy why are you doing any of this but then you see nintendo fans are legitimately somehow having fun <laughs> you know so i know that was like a, a long rant but honestly I, the long and short of it i feel like it'll get there it's just not right now i'm glad you brought up the inevitability of day and date because 
I've seen a lot of people say that PlayStation would never do this, and they, they will. you know, for lack of a better phrase, they buy into the PR speak that Jim Ryan is is feeding them. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to discredit anyone's opinions. I'm not trying to discredit PlayStation. I I understand because the reality is when you are a company of that size, as much as we want them just to be like, yeah, day and date games, boom, here you go. They are going through a transitional period where they are restructuring their entire business model. You yep. touched on the the games as a service title. There is a fundamental reason they are leaning into that because they understand that having a steady revenue stream for some titles offsets the concerns of investing tons of money into a game and having to wait four to five years for that to get the return on investment. So yeah. what that does is it gives you the freedom to experiment and it gives you this, this opportunity to down the road, once your games as a service library is solid, once you have you know Destiny going and you have the, the revenue stream from Destiny, that is the reason that Destiny exists you know as this multi-platform purchase for playstation because they understand the fundamental value of a consistent revenue stream they're not yeah. stupid but they don't unfortunately have the, the the raw capital right now to be like all of our games right now day and day boom let's go and so yeah. that is why jim ryan is talking about the, the quality because he understands that playstation has this perceived value of being a, a, a publisher that puts out high quality games. And they understand that they want to correlate quality with that $70, with that price increase, because they want to justify that price because they want the extra revenue. They want that association with quality. And that is why they are stressing it. But I think in a few years, once they have those games as a service titles running, that they will absolutely lean into uh, yeah. day and date releases. And I'm I'm the type of person where I believe you're going to see those games and service games enter the service day and date. Yeah, I oh, definitely yeah. think you're going to see some some games enter that service day and date. Like you you probably won't get your Horizon uh, like three or, or God of War three or whatever on this service, but you'll probably get you know the Twisted Metals. You'll probably get the Destiny expansion. You'll probably get you know whatever multiplayer game they're working on. Let's give let's give the resistance fans some love. You know, they've been getting trolled for years now. Like whatever resistance multiplayer is out there. Mm. Um, they'll get those games on that service because I think and I think those games will be day one on PC as well. You know, this is all coming to this eventual this eventual realization that it is going to be just a solo app. PlayStation knows that they have time they don't have a lot of time to make that app good and make that app competitive. Right now, they know that they don't necessarily need it because their games still sell really well. So like you're taking a look at Miles Morales that sold 6.5 million units. Um, you're taking a look at Horizon Forbidden West that is outpacing the original game currently. And they're just like, okay, this is, we're, this is still a... Um, a business model that works. So until it doesn't, that's when you're going to see the change. So it's not going to be overnight. I definitely see this, you know, I still call it Spartacus. I still see Spartacus being the service that's going to have a similar trajectory or, or path as Game Pass, where Game Pass didn't have games day and date in the beginning, but they eventually did. That's what I, I see this here being. And you're right. They are refocusing their entire structure on this service and i feel like i i feel like whatever games as service and whatever acquisitions that 
PlayStation would be making in the future, not to spoil the next topic, but that's going to be the focus. It's like, what's going to give us good services and what's going to build catalog? Yes, they are looking towards the future. And in the interim, you can't just tell people like, the future will be cool, but right now our thing sucks. So yeah. bear with us until we figure it out. Like you, that it, can't be the messaging. It's kind of like when Jim Ryan's like, we're not going to do cross play for the kids. And then like two years ago, he did cross play for the kids. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So like Jim Ryan's going to say, it's just like any, uh, you know, CEO or whatever. They're going to say what they need to say in the moment. And then when that moment changes, they will change their tune. This is going to happen. And guys, it's okay. If you're an Xbox fan to go, Oh, wow, I got this. I, my service is better. It is it's better. <laughs> it's great. But I see a lot of people going, I'm never going to buy this day because no day and date, no purchase. And then you go on their profile and it is, you know, them doing the Phil Spencer X and then like all of Xbox first party studios as their Twitter banner. It's like you're never going to buy the service. Don't kid yourself. You know, to me, I, I feel like as the PlayStation community, the healthy side is more really upset about premium than than anything and the lack and just the rollout more than games not being day and date so to me playstation's got some work on this service for sure um but right now they know that i'm weak and as much as i would love to see games monthly you know 15 bucks they know that they have me for 70 and i know that too i'm not gonna kid myself <laughs> like again i would love games to be day and date but they also know that i am weak and i really want to play god of war yeah, and <laughs> it's just that simple. That's why I appreciate getting your perspective on because you touched on, you know, there are people who don't have a PlayStation, have no interest per se in getting a PlayStation that are being hypercritical of the service. Yeah. And that's whatever, that's fine. You can do that. But you, as someone who plays on PlayStation a lot and, and likes the PlayStation ecosystem, I wanted to get your take on this because again i think objectively there are some issues with the rollout there are some issues with pricing and um you know it doesn't have to be that this you know xbox game pass i think is better i think a lot of us think it is better but that again like you said doesn't mean that this service is awful and no one should pay for it again it's really going to cater to the legacy playstation fans who want that value proposition who want that just massive catalog because again yeah. even though there's not day and day there's still 700 some games and that's that's something there is one issue though that i do want to speak on because i do feel like it's important we totally forgot demos demos oh, are locked God. behind an 18 dollars paywall are you kidding me that like, is, that's yeah that's that's whack. garbage like to me i understand if this service if you're gonna lock demos behind a paywall it should be under the essential plan because everybody has it right it's like to me it, it really is bewildering of why the, the the most expensive tier not to say like demos were on on its way back because I'll, I'll be honest i i don't know how many demos i've i've played other than like the halo flight test but like to me it's it is silly that that is locked behind any paywall but even sillier that it's the most expensive i will say this as well as a person that does buy the annual stuff um that 120 bucks for premium actually got, I, i'm looking at that gun all right, that's not 18 bucks a month for sure. So maybe. Mm, maybe. And again, again, I'm weak. Yeah, I know. I'm no, weak I, and I see presumed value. I'm like, well, maybe, you know. Oh, so I get, a, get the year, it drops it down X percent. Okay, that's not so bad. I can just, yeah. again, yeah, we all, we all do it. No matter yeah. how much trash we all talk on social media about the fundamental flaws real. and how 
egregious and terrible <laughs> companies are. Yeah, at the end of the day, if they give you that one thing, that one thing that you want, we will we'll eat that price. We all exactly. do it. We've all done it. And, I, and I'm not the, I, listen, and I'm not the, the type of guy that's going to say Destruction All-Stars was a 9 out of 10, right? <laughs> or that Predator's Hunting Ground changed the way that we perceive multiplayer games. Not every game is a, oh boy, is a banger that comes out of Ooh, PlayStation. It's what? just how the audience. Okay, I'm, I'm clipping that and using it, it on Twitter. Not every <laughs> no, game that comes out of PlayStation is, is a banger. It's not, not every one. But when we think of PlayStation, we do think of the Horizons, the God of Wars, the Uncharted, the Ghost of Tsushima, the Last of Us, right? So, like, we do think about that. And I think PlayStation knows that they got... I, I feel like PlayStation knows they have some Nintendo energy. They don't have all the Nintendo energy. They're not quite... The, yeah, Nintendo They're has... They're not quite there yet. ...has some energy. Yeah. yeah. So, again, the service is fine. It's not great it has the opportunities to be great but we'll only see that in time when they actually show us a library i will say as soon as that service does become great i'll sign up if they yeah. make some changes make it the subscription service that i want it to be i'll sign up in a heartbeat again and a here's the thing if they throw in like cool little indies as like day and dates which they can easily do and like i mean i think that infusion of money with devolver certainly maybe could lend credence to the idea of like if you get cool indies in there day and day, if you get some cool, you know, double A or some cool, like what Xbox has done, hey, you have this unproven IP that you're doing, we'll, we'll pay a, a chunk of that development fee you get this on this service. If they do deals like that, then this, this has some promise to it. But I get it, like day and day, if that deters you, it deters you. And I can't, I can't argue that. Once yeah. you've seen the light, it's hard to go back. And I think that's where a lot of these criticisms come on the Xbox side is you have people who've grown accustomed to having the day and date releases and knowing that they can look at the slate of all the Xbox titles and say, yeah, with Game Pass, I got to play that. That is dope. And then you see PlayStation say, eh, we're not quite ready to do that. We're not doing that, you know, because of quality, quote unquote. <laughs> and then you look at Xbox last year being the highest rated publisher. Jim, calm down. Come on. You Settle. It, Settle it. it feels like this subtle dig to say that our games are of a higher quality and that's why yeah. we can't do what the competition is doing. But then you look at the competition and their games are reviewing incredibly they, highly. It seems like they're getting their virtuous cycle going. Yeah. So we're going to have competing virtuous cycles and it's only wow. a matter of time before uh, Jim Ryan has to come out and say, you know what? Resign. Thanks to your support of PlayStation Plus. Thanks to your generous support. All the millions of subscribers. We can now do day and day. And everybody goes, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, when we see Xbox go out there and purchase, you know, billions dollars worth of companies, like them effectively saying, hey, competition like Apple and Amazon, you want to enter this space, it costs about 80 billion just to get your, your get your foot in the door. You're 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 fighting a, a, a foe that's able to do stuff that you legitimately can't. And that is what PlayStation is right now. It's they are on the perceived top right now for sure, but they understand that it's changing and they understand that their competitor is now more hungrier than ever and they will do anything to undercut you. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it, it just, it, it is what it is. So Jim Ryan does have some monumental tasks in front of him that I'm legitimately curious if he can actually handle it. 
Um, not to say that like, I'm putting his like his judgment or, or whatever in question. It's just like I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do what he's doing. There is way yeah. more interest in video gaming and more specifically the money associated with gaming right now than there ever has been. There's yeah. a reason people are looking at gaming because it is the biggest entertainment medium right now bigger than music bigger than music movies it is the biggest by a lot and that is why we're seeing countries what was it saudi arabia that invested in capcom you see stuff like that and you're like what on earth is going on because they understand that there is money to be made and when there is money to be made people will be throwing their their you know investments around to see what happens see if they can yeah. scoop in and that could be scary that could be a problem. We'll see how that all plays out in the coming years because when there's money, statistically, there's going to be nefarious investments, nefarious interests involved with that. So it's a good point. We just have to hope that the people making these big investments are doing the right thing for the, the people who work on games, the games themselves, and it doesn't become this really cynical industry that's just a cynical cycle. A, yes, beautifully said. <laughs> Beautifully said. All right. So quick shout okay. out to all the amazing people joining us today. If you are digging the show, hit that like button, share it out. We are live every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern on youtube.com slash windows central gaming. If you are listening on audio versions or audio services, uh, leave us a review. All right, Joe, we got to yes. talk about this week um, and the rumors that, that permeated social media because it has been a absolutely wild week. It started last week, the report from Bloomberg that Spartacus was going to be revealed. And they've been saying that for a while. And they said next week, look, expect it basically. And that was, had a lot of people buzzing about what that might be and how PlayStation is going to nail down PS3 emulation. And, and that's just cascaded from here. It was just a cascade. God, of, we didn't even mention the PS3 emulation. It's, it's not good. It's that's always online streaming. Come on. Sorry. Come on continue. Come, um, Okay, so it started with Spartacus. Started yes. with Spartacus. And then I had people DM like people that I know and trust DMing me saying, yo, 50-50 shot that PlayStation is acquiring from software. And I'm like, what? Where on earth is this coming from? And then you start to see the rumors that, oh, PlayStation's acquiring Konami and PlayStation's acquiring uh, CD Project Red. I'm like, what what is going on? Where on earth are all of these rumors coming from? And it just was cascading. And there was all of this, this stuff that pointed to PlayStation, not only at revealing Spartacus, but acquiring a huge developer or a huge publisher. And, um, you know, a lot of people have come out since this and said, you know, wires were crossed, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But typically, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire to some degree. And so I have to ask with all of these rumors that have been circulating, do you think there's any possibility that any of these come true? Do you think there's a world where PlayStation scoops up from software, for example? Listen, man, we saw Xbox buy Activision. Anything's possible. The sky's <laughs> like, the limit. Yeah, don't never say never is kind of my stance now in this industry. Yeah, never say never and like talk ish gets shot, you know? <laughs> it's, it, <laughs> it, it, first off, I can I can understand why there are so many people like walking on eggshells. Nobody wants to be the person that broke a billions dollars worth of deal, right? That is an industry shun that you'll never recover from. That's for sure. So I understand why so many people are mums the word. Um, when it comes to 
from software um i like playstation already has like a strategic alliance with uh what is it kodakawa they have I a two percent investment and in, yeah the parent yeah. company from software yeah so it's like if if i i feel like if they wanted to do something it would have done something um but to me i i, I feel like probably me if if anything uh it's probably maybe a partnership that that would i would see come out of it because i feel like to even just step back from that I feel like when we talk about acquisitions, Miles, it's always about how does this benefit PlayStation? How does this benefit Microsoft? But we never think about how does it benefit the per the purchasee? Like yeah. from software, what does from software actually have to gain from being acquired? They already pretty much get a blank check from Bandai Namco and just go make make stuff. Yes, we <laughs> trust you here. You Whatever you need, please just do it. Here you go. And I, I bet after selling 12 million units in less than a month, that's never going to be an issue of them finding money or or finding people to want to make stuff. So like they have the creative freedom. Do, do they necessarily want to go and make movies and, and TV shows? I don't I don't think so. Um, and they already do like comics and other little stuff. So like I don't think they necessarily are, are all in on that. So I, I think the from software stuff is, is a little silly. I think it's more like, if anything, it would probably be a partnership. Um, but I, I don't see a straight up acquisition of from software. What about you, man? Yeah, it's the timing to me felt weird if that was to be true, because yeah. we're coming off the back of Elden Ring. And like you said, Elden Ring is massive. It's their biggest games. It's one of the biggest launches of all time. And that is multi-plat. So now they're in this world where they've just put out one of the biggest games ever, and you basically are going to come to them and say, hey, you want to get acquired so less people play your games? Because that's no matter what. If it's Xbox, as much as I'm in the Xbox camp and would love to see Xbox own from software, the reality is their games would see way less people. That's, yeah. that's just, that is what it is. You cannot argue that, especially after seeing the, the widespread success of Elden Ring. You have to tell this developer that, yeah, your, your games are going to be played by less people. And like you said, Bandai is probably, they probably have an amazing relationship with Bandai because Bandai understands that from software is going to put out great games. And as long as we keep giving them the resources and time to do it, that will be the case. And I'm sure they have a lot of flexibility and an amazing business relationship that would be hard to dissuade them. Given their I, track and I mean, record. think of Bandai Namco as well. I, I believe they're like the largest toy manufacturer. So like they have a lot of cross media thing that they can do like they could go out there and make statues make you know toys sign those like you know dark horse comic deals i i definitely i i, I see no sense of from software going anywhere nor would i want them to go anywhere because they're amazing and they their games should be played everywhere i know but, we we fixate on acquisitions being on the playstation xbox like just because of things like bethesda and activision yeah. and all of these things that we wouldn't think would happen. We're seeing them happen. So, and so now that kind of opens up the floodgates for speculation on anything. Because like you said, I wouldn't say it's impossible that PlayStation acquires from software. I don't think that is a fair statement to say, but given their track record and given, given you know their reputation right now, I think the asking price is they can basically name whatever price they want. And I don't think PlayStation really is just going to spend a buttload of money just to do it. Cause like you said, not only does it need to benefit PlayStation, but it needs to benefit from software as well. Yeah. So I, I think the, the from software doesn't have any weight to it, but what, what do you feel about, <laughs> what do you feel about the Konami, the Konami one? 
Here's where I'm at with Konami, and this is something I've said before. I don't care who buys Konami. I just want someone to come in and save them from themselves because their lack of interest in making games for the last decade has been so disappointing. As a legacy Castlevania fan, as a Silent Hill fan, I mean, you look back at, you know, even their licensed stuff back in the day, Turtles in Time absolutely crushed. That Cowabunga collection looks dope. And all of those games are just from this this relic of the past of, of old Konami that used to be really good, used to care about publishing games. And now they just publish merch and pachinko machines. And the sad reality is for a long time, they were making more money than they ever were doing nothing. And so there was no incentive for them to make games. But now I think they are understanding that there is money to be made and they can actually make a lot of money in games. And we talk about nefarious reasons for making stuff. And I, whether it's fair or not, I feel that Konami would be more nefarious than other publishers with their I incentives. Think that's fair. I think with the 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 Pez rollout. Um Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I think yeah. I think there's a lot of truth there. And again, then it goes, okay, so Konami definitely needs the infrastructure. They definitely have two or three IP that people really do care about, like Metal Gear, Castlevania for you, Bomberman. Um, yeah, let's go Bomberman, baby. Come oh, on, man. Throw um, some respect on it. Yeah, I'd rather not. So so I, I think you got mm-hmm. IP that 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 people care about, but like if you're a PlayStation, like are are those games gonna really sell by again purchasing the IP then having to find studio I mean, I bet you're gonna find studios that would love to make either of those games. Yes. But like you have to pay for all of that. So I feel like that acquisition on Sony's side doesn't really work. So they're not getting yeah. a ton of t- you're not getting a ton of talent out of the deal. So again, this would be a very expensive acquisition because of the reasons where you're paying outright for these IP, which again, if if Konami wants to license out IP to let's say they just want to do part publishing partnerships with Xbox and PlayStation. Like, cool. I would love to see that as long as I know some other parties involved to make sure the quality of these games is good. But if you're buying them outright, yeah, not only do you have to buy the IP, but you have to either assign a studio to it, or in some cases build studios from the ground up to work on these IP. Yeah. And I mean, listen, Sony has been building a lot of studios and a lot of second party partnerships over the past few years. So it could happen. And who knows, maybe blue point is making that like metal gear, you know, remake and it's going so well that they're like, let's, let's tie all this up. But to me, you know, I've, I've, I've been, I have been following the breadcrumbs and the little hints that, you know, the insiders are dropping the ones with the luscious mane. (laughs) <laughs> and listening to, to to some of their conversations, um, I definitely feel like to me, when it comes to the acquisition, um, if I'm Sony, I want to build the catalog of games. I want RPGs because I know I'm losing them right now with Bethesda. And if I'm Square Enix, I'm thinking my games are being very hit or miss right now. We definitely need a restructuring and realignment and we need to know how to make a games to service and a live service game that's not Final Fantasy. And so to me, I feel like every road leads back to Square Enix. So I feel like if there is an acquisition to go on in Japan, I definitely feel like it's probably Square Enix. And I, I don't know, would that do anything for you? Like if that, if that, if the rumors weren't Konami and it wasn't from software, do you think that 
an acquisition like that would would get you excited? Square Enix is an interesting one because I have fond memories of Squaresoft. Um, I, I grew up playing a lot of their legacy GRPGs. I've been pushing for the the Mana games to come to Xbox for a long time because uh, one of my favorite franchises of all time, literally on every other platform but Xbox at this point. And yeah, it would be interesting to see PlayStation acquire Square. It makes sense. They, they align, their interests align. PlayStation is going out of their way to create this brand association with PlayStation and Final Fantasy. So there's already that kind of base established there. So yeah. now I'm thinking if I'm PlayStation and I already have that, do, do I bother acquiring them? If most of my sales are coming from the PlayStation side, if yeah. we already have this you know, business relationship that's working and I don't have to outright buy them, do I? It would be yeah. interesting. And I think there's, there's value there. And if it came with Square being restructured and getting back to quote unquote their former glory in some ways because they are clearly struggling to make profits. Every single time they put out a game, it's, oh, failed to meet expectations. Oh, exactly. Failed. It's like, what are your expectations then? Your expectations yeah. are too high. I'm sorry. Something's yeah. not right. And and so like like and that and that's why like I like this like speculation's fun, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like no one no one's crawling in my ear telling me anything. I'm just like I'm just trying to be the detective. I'm trying to be the Batman right now, you know. And so like to me, I'm like I don't see how any of these really make sense, except for yeah. Even and when even it comes to Square, it's like well Square also has its hands in all sorts of pies. Mm -hmm. You know, it works so well with Nintendo. It's working on an Xbox game right now. Like, so even then, like, I'm I'm very curious as to what the acquisition is going to be. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm excited for it because I am a uh, I am a fan, and I want to make sure that these devs, you know, get treated a little, little better. Um, and and so I I definitely feel like, um, though the, these conversations are exciting. It's also something that we need to curtail a little bit because it does get a little out of hand because I feel like everybody's like, so I got the inside scoop. And I really have to preface if you, if, if someone's telling you they got the inside scoop, they don't got the inside scoop. Uh, 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 you got yes, the inside yes. scoop, Miles? So something I posted, because obviously I don't want to be that dude just dunking on people who were wrong because, you know, it's just a little mean, a little mean spirited. Yeah. But um. Yeah, there's the reason you don't hear. We haven't heard about Activision beforehand. There's a reason we didn't hear about Bethesda yeah. beforehand. There's a reason we didn't hear about Bungie beforehand. Um, because you can't just casually DM someone on Twitter and be like, hey, bro, we're about to do this. Because that is yeah. insider trading if it's a publicly traded company and people are going yeah. to jail. Like that is the yeah. Those are the stakes of leaking it. And I'm sorry, but nobody is going to do that for their random journalist friends. Sure, people might hear some things that could suggest that. And maybe that's what, what happened in this particular case, but yeah, don't, don't be that person who's saying this is the last from softwares multi-platform <laughs> title. Don't yeah. be that person. Cause I right. guarantee you don't, you don't have the info to say that. So yeah. also I, I, I want to preface this as well. For me, the, the acquisitions that have excited me from PlayStation are not publishers. Like, to me, I still want people to experience Final Fantasy on Xbox. I still want people to experience Resident Evil on Xbox. I still want people to experience Elden Ring on Xbox. Like, to me, what is really exciting to see out of the PlayStation acquisitions are them picking up 
smaller teams that have a nice relationship with PlayStation. So like the Housemark deal warms my heart because I I, I talk about organic growth. Yeah, that organic Whole Foods esque level of 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 acquisition, like Blue Point, it's just like, yeah, man, this is a nice relationship you built. Haven Studios, like Jade, literally used to work at PlayStation, so like they have these rapports with these studios that they're they're picking up, and to me, I I really dig that because there was a quote coming out of Nintendo that I really liked. It's like we're not looking to acquire anything because we want to make sure that any studio we pick up has Nintendo DNA. And to me, I want PlayStation to acquire things that have PlayStation DNA. That makes sense. Yeah. I think there's, there's some interesting stuff to touch on there because I still am in the camp that I don't think there will ever be another acquisition. That's as big and as perfect as Bethesda for Xbox, because you see that round table and you know, that these people are not only friends, but have this legacy relationship. And it's it's everyone involved is stoked. Everyone involved is so yes. excited about what this means for the company, what this means about the future and stuff like that. That warms my heart. And yes. I'm sorry. I don't I. I can't feel that about the Activision deal. I don't know. Me- and again, it's it is a big deal and it will yes. mean great things. And it better. I'm sorry. It better mean great things for the people who work at Activision. Absolutely. I've been incredibly vocal about that and i will hold microsoft to task on that because again microsoft was just rated one of the top 10 places or number one i think in the u.s and they've Mm -hmm. done a lot to make sure that their work culture their environment their studio culture is fantastic and then you look at the recent history of activision and it's ugly it's disgusting it is this legacy of just horrific treatment of people and now microsoft has to find a way to correct all of that integrate all of that and it's just going to be a huge mess. And I hope that at the end of the tunnel, we have a better work culture for everyone involved. And I Absolutely. hope that they 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 take that on. But it doesn't have that same energy and positivity to me that the Bethesda deal. I, I'm 100% with you. Because when I look at Bethesda and that deal happened, yeah, my heart hurt a little bit. But it wasn't like Yoda at the end of episode three. To me, it was just like, oh, this hurts. But this makes a lot of sense and to me those games feel like a perfect fit for microsoft and the culture that both of these companies are striving so hard for i feel like you you hit the nail on the head whatever acquisition happens i want the leadership's cultures to be aligned because you see bethesda make some great strides it seems to make sure that their workforce is awesome diverse and inclusive and you're seeing the same when you see the board of xbox you're like half of them are women you see uh, you know people of color on on that on that work team you go oh wow these are people that are getting a diverse voice in a, in a different mindset when it comes to corporate leadership and i feel like that is so important to know and i, I love you hit it out of the, the park there whatever acquisition happens i want the cultures to feel like it's a good fit and you're right I, when I take a look at Activision Blizzard, I, I take a look at, oh, this is a grab for content more than a grab to, you know, make Activision's co- uh, culture better. Um, like, I don't I don't necessarily see Activision Blizzard and think Xbox. I, I see them as a separate entity. But that being said, th- that corporate structure is in desperate need of changing because there are people that are being hurt. And yeah. Um, it's tough because i feel like microsoft really is the only company that has the the resources to come in and really 
change the culture in a meaningful way. So in that regard, I am optimistic about the future of Activision Blizzard because most companies can't spend the, the capital it takes to acquire that that large of investment in general, but we know Microsoft is, is working hard to be this role model in the industry. And I don't think that's going to go away post the acquisition. I think it'll just be a lot of work. And again, at the end of this, I am, I am hopeful that we will see a, a positive change for everyone involved. And I am hopeful that this will mean great things for the future of Bethesda's, or not Bethesda, but Activision's IP and all the employees there. So again, I don't wanna be cynical. I'm not trying to be cynical about Xbox acquiring them. Um, because I know there are a, a huge amount of possible positive things that can come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And again, when I, I, I feel like we do when we talk about acquisitions, we I I, I want to talk about that that human element because you're right. Like IP is cool and all, but like to see people happy to work at a you know at a like a you know a, a a metal gear game or whatever and have a good work environment is way more important than you know what game is exclusive to my box it's it's again those conversations are fun but i gotta think of the human element and again no one knows if if people are telling you they know what it is they don't know what it is Yes, I will. We've but seen it's a from lot of software and I know it. <laughs> there's been a lot of conversations that say, like, you know, at the end of the day, as long as the game is good, then that's all that matters. And uh, at this point, I'm saying, no, that's not all that matters. Like a, a, a great game can be made with at, without the cost of, you know, people's enthusiasm for video yeah. gaming, people's entire also, livelihood. No, uh, if I could just add one more point and to move on, I would love acquisitions that aren't in like Japan, Europe and North America. Like, dude, there's there's some talented folks in Africa, talented folks in India, talented people, you know, uh, you know, uh, folks in the Middle East, like get 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 Mix that, that swath, man. Yeah. yeah, there's there's good ideas everywhere. I would I would really dig that. I know like PlayStation has like the, the China initiative. I, I forget. I forget what it's called, but like they, they find indie developers in China. And I saw like the Sumu Kong game um, is, is, is looking great. Like, oh yeah. Black there's great Myth. games everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Black Myth. There yeah. you go. So yeah, man, it, it doesn't have to just be in these three geo locations. <laughs> yeah. And again, while, while we're on this conversation, while we have an, a quote unquote X bot and a, a pony together on mm -hmm. one show, I just want to say that you touched on this briefly, but when it comes to acquisitions for Xbox, I am selfish in a sense that I want them because that means I get to play the game on Game Pass. But sure. I don't really get excited about acquisitions when they strictly mean somebody else just doesn't get to play a game. Like if, yeah. if Square Enix was bought by PlayStation and my hope of mana ever coming to Xbox was destroyed, I'd be sad. I'd be bummed. Yeah. And I know that feeling and that's why I don't like... That's why I wasn't one of the people being like, yeah, Call of Duty, only Xbox, bro. Let's go. Ha <laughs> ha. And because it's just not fun. Those aren't fun conversations. That being said, if I can have a platform here to spread two things, PlayStation, I'm looking at you and I'm talking to you, Jim. Bring Ember Labs home. Okay. Ember Lab is a talented dev. They, Kina is fantastic. That's our first game. Give them that budget, man. They're, they're going to they're gonna be able to do some great things. Ember Lab and PlayStation, I'm talking to you one more time. All right. Mono a mono here. Listen, I really like control and I want to see a TV show. So, you know, get to it. 
get, get to, to it. it. Okay. Okay. There you Court go. Court remedy, man. I would, I, it, there would be my top pick because like control is some of the most fascinating stories I've ever seen. And then like when I, when I finished that game, I was just like, this needs to be a show. This needs to be all. I would it. watch that show in a heartbeat. It's got heartbeat. the, it's got the supernatural powers meets classic X-Files mystery. And oh, whatever you do, don't try to combine the both. <laughs> Don't try to make a TV show and a game. You know what I mean? Or if you're going to try it, at least spend a budget on the show, please. <laughs> please. Looking yeah. at you, Quant. Quantum Break. Uh, okay, quick shout That's out fine. to all the amazing people joining us. Having some you know in-depth conversations about Xbox and PlayStation. If you are digging the show, digging these conversations, hit the like button, share it out. We're going to get into some kind of sad news for some and some... Good news for people like Jeff Keighley. And that's the fact that E3, Joe, officially has been canceled for 2020. ESA put out a statement saying there will be no digital event. There will be no event of any kind. And we are looking forward to coming back bigger and stronger in 2023. So, Joe, how did this news hit you? Are you are you someone who's big into E3, big into what that represents for the industry? Or has it just kind of served its purpose and, and dwindled into obscurity for you. There was a point in my life that I wanted to E3 to, to go. I felt like it needed to go. Um, I, f I felt like every little work rework that they tried just didn't work. I saw people get their, their addresses leaked out for God's sakes. And oh, um, God, yeah, that, they did not win any favor there. That's for sure. No. And so to me, I was just like, this is an old idea and it needs to go, but you know, living, going on it's like three years in this global panorama i'm ready to go meet a crowd of people you know i'm ready to go mingle there's no you know i've been to pax east twice and i it's it's seriously amazing because you're getting to meet people that all love your thing like everybody's there for the games they're not there for the consoles believe it or not they're all in there celebrating the thing that they love and so e3 could very much be that but the problem was it never was and it tried to be but it, it was always a half step so my feelings miles are conflicted because i am sad to see it go or kind of indifferent to see it go but i do want to see it come back if that makes sense it's yeah i'm kind of conflicted as well because e3 in a lot of ways represents the old legacy of the video game industry with the good and the bad that doesn't yeah. mean the legacy of the video game industry has only been good because that's definitely not the case. But that being said, there's something, you know, exciting about the energy and the camaraderie of having everyone who loves gaming come together and yeah. having all of these teams who've been secretly working on these projects and they're showing them to the world for the first time. And there is all this collective energy and you have all these people who are there for the exact same reason because they wanna see the new games, they wanna show off their new games, and there's something just undeniably special and magical about that. And yeah. so that is that is the good that E3 represents, and that is the part of E3 that I will miss. Um, but that being said, you know, we have Jeff Keighley, who also, you know, as much as people meme or clown on him, the dude loves gaming. The dude loves yeah. the game industry, he loves showing games. He's trying oh, he to- he loves PlayStation. Yeah, he only sorry. Yeah, sorry. He loves PlayStation games. So, and it's like it's like so obvious if you if you just take a, like a good hard look at it. <laughs> He's never said one nice thing about the Xbox controller, not even one. <laughs> sorry. Uh, 
Yeah, so Jeff Keighley, an infamous PlayStation fanboy, uh, pushing his pro PlayStation propaganda event, <laughs> also right. called Summer Game Fest. Um, but I really do think that Jeff has a, an exciting potential to reshape that because he's learning. He's learning how to adapt the show, but I think last year's show uh, was pretty great. It was a huge improvement over the show before, and it sounds like this time around, it won't be this four-month event. It'll be much tighter, a much tighter window of conferences, and that'll kind of, I think, get us closer to that, that E3 feeling. And so that gets me excited, that there will still be some kind of summer event that we can all celebrate games together. And I'm hoping that Jeff manages to bridge that gap of, you know, commercials, which always got to get paid you know i know people say it's a lot of commercial he's got to, you know he's got to fund the event he's got to pay staff he's got to, he's got to get that bag i don't fault him for that but i'm hoping he finds that sweet spot of having the obvious ads and then the the big reveal because xbox yeah. as much as people say that you know jeff doesn't like xbox um it's a proven fact it's a proven fact Miles. xbox likes jeff and they give jeff a lot of reveals and jeff mm-hmm. gets very excited about xbox reveals at his events so i don't know I, I, I'm curious to see how the show evolves and I'm curious to see how heavily Xbox leans into it this year because I really think Xbox will be leaning heavily into Summer Game Fest. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, a lot of people clown, <laughs> you know, uh, Game Fest is just like, it's a calendar. You know, and I, I, I get some of that, but also understand this this whole event was birthed out of, um, you know, a global catastrophe. So, you know, it had to be worked on the fly. That means it has to be improved on the fly as well. So with year three of the Summer Games Fest, I think Jeff is finding its tone and it's finding its cadence pretty well. And it is a calendar in some respect of like, hey, we're partnering with all these people so that you guys know when each other's talking so that you guys can do your own thing. Right. And then have some awesome or some neat little games to showcase on this big stage, which is really awesome to see when you see Summer Game Fest like last year. You saw some PlayStation stuff and then you saw some Xbox stuff. You saw Shuhei being adorable. You saw Phil Spencer being awesome. Like you just saw all of it. And it's it's always it, to me, it, it's this feeling of like you're really celebrating all the games. And Kojima. <laughs> like you're celebrating it all and so like to me I- i'm excited to see how jeff nails its cadence because you're right boys got to get paid there's got to be a Shaquatro man somewhere um but hopefully not too prevalent maybe he's just a lower third but what i'm really curious is if e3 comes back i really want it to look like pax because i really feel like the trade show por- portion is important, but there also definitely needs to be a fan's focus as well. So, like, to me, I would really like a few days on the sh- on the floor where it is just industry and then it opens up to the public. Um, because I feel like that's that's what everybody wants E3 to be packs and they just don't know it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I would love an opportunity to just have a bunch of people get together and, you know, play some games, drink some beer, celebrate gaming. And as much as I love and want more Xbox-centric showcases, more Nintendo-centric showcases, more PlayStation-centric showcases, what I like about this is something that you touched on and the fact that no matter what your preference is, this show forces you to check out what other people are working on. 
And yeah. I love those moments when, you know, you have the Xbox guy or the PlayStation guy see something that somebody else is doing and go, damn, that looks dope. That looks really good. I don't care that this is a quote PlayStation exclusive or a Nintendo exclusive. That looks really cool. And I think having one grand stage like that where everyone shows up yeah. is exciting for those reasons because it's not about I'm an Xbox fan and that's why I'm here. It's I'm a fan of gaming and that's why I'm here. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's like only Jeff could bring the three heads of each company on the same stage together celebrating games. Like you didn't you didn't like that moment to me is incredibly powerful because to me it is like this is why we're here. It's awesome to have PlayStation and and love it. It's awesome to have the you know, Xbox and Nintendo and love it. And it's 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 about this moment. They're all trying to compete for not just your dollar, but your entertainment. And they all kind of just get it. Like Shuei Yoshida, when he sees Phil Spencer across the room, doesn't get like hiss at him. You know what I mean? Like he'll walk up to him and congratulate them because that's what normal people do. And so I really want that energy in this summer games fest is we're celebrating games. Yeah. Games. And it's, this is going to be a, a slightly unrelated parallel, but I've been talking to developers. I've been talking to people in the gaming industry and it ties back to the, the, the early days when I was in a band coming up and there was, there was the band, there was the scene and there were a lot of, there's a lot of competition within that scene because you obviously want people to listen to your band over someone else's band. You want your band to be considered quote unquote the best band. And there is all this competition where you go out of your way and you try to elevate yourself. And that to me correlates to this energy that's surrounding video game developers because as much as we're competing, we would get in the pit and we would mosh for, for, our, for our fellow band fans out there. And if they that's had right. a dope track, nobody was like, man, that track hits hard and that sucks. Everybody was celebrating that. And that's kind of the correlation when I'm talking to people in the industry because they share that. They share that energy. They, they get excited when, when somebody comes out and does something new, does something innovative. They celebrate it. It's as much as they are competing, as much as Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo are competing, they are not enemies. They are, yeah. they are allies in this space and they are excited to see their friends and, and you know, colleagues succeed. And we should celebrate that more and we should be more akin to that as opposed to making sure that Phil Spencer comes out on stage, kills Jim Ryan. Yeah. Like, like, I really hate to tell, I, I, I hate to break it to some folks. No one's winning this generation, quote unquote. No one's like first, second what? or third. I know it's it's surprising. It's just companies making money and, and seeing the best the the best way to make that money, right? Because like we, I like I look at Nintendo and I I'm like, are you guys like? To me, they're like the kid in first grade that was eating glue, but like that kid that's eating glue, billions of dollars it's printing every year, and it's content. It's great. It doesn't it doesn't even want like it doesn't put out a and we don't even expect it like a 4k console that shoots lasers into your eyes like we, we don't even care we just want mario to jump out of a pipe you know we just want kratos to yell boy and we just want the master chief to be stoic and badass and not take off his helmet that's all wow controversy <laughs> controversy here we, we won't get into it but you know i don't right. care that he takes his helmet off he's a human being for god's sake all right he let Master Chiefs let Master Chief breathe. All right, I'm sorry, but <laughs> if you were in that heavy ass suit, mm -hmm. would you just keep it on 24 seven? Just just yes. out of spite. Just this is me. I'm a monument. I, I gotta I, keep I, it on. I don't need comfort. I don't. I don't need to breathe. I don't need nope. to eat. Nope. Oh, okay. I'm he just pees in the suit. 
he should wear it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Joe. I know we are just all kumbaya with our, yeah. you know, ev- everyone coming together and celebrating gaming, but we got to talk about Elden Ring, dude. I yeah. got to confront you here on the show about Elden Ring. Fair enough. Because you like Elden Ring. You've I like been, it a lot. You, yeah. But where does it stand for you right now? Because I saw something you posted on Twitter and I just wanted to see if like my eyes weren't working or if this was an April Fool's joke or what? Where does Elden Ring stand? It stands as, oh, geez. First off, I I have to preface this. Um, I I say it to really troll Ains. I I understand Ains is really old, really old, and he he doesn't get our like new hip logic. Um, he's out of touch is what I'm trying to say. And I was trying to tell him, because when I was just like, man, I wish this game had a journal so I can remember these character names or like a true golden path. So I don't feel always lost. Like I want to feel like I'm making progression. Uh, he's like, well, you know, back in the 70s, this feels like a D&D where I'm just like drawing and writing. A, just just get a journal. Just write a journal yourself. I'm like, well, maybe the journal should just be there right in front of me. And I see it. Whoa! And, what are NPC markers, though? Don't you dare put it in Elden Ring. I mean, apparently they're there now. You know? Wait, that's against Miyazaki's vision. I thought. Uh, I don't know. So to me, like, I love Elden Ring, and there are absolute times where I'm just like, this is legitimately the best from software game. And then there are legitimate times where I'm just like, I am bored out of my mind. But I will say this: I was Bloodborne this. still your favorite? Absolutely, it is. Jesus. You always remember your first. You know, you always remember, you always remember your prom date. And my prom date was beautiful Bloodborne. Well, I only have one question for you. If Bloodborne is the best from software game, why is it the only one at 30 FPS? That's a great question. You know, it's it's an attempt at staying humble. (laughs) If it was a 60, it's, it's, it's the no contest. It's, yeah. It's too good. It's too good to be at 60 FPS. Yeah, it needs to be at an unstable 30 FPS so that, you know, there has to be some blemishes or else (laughs) it's just it's too much. That said, though, like to me, I, you know, Bloodborne is going to have that place in my heart. Sekiro to me, I felt like had the best boss fights or has the best boss fight so far. I'm on uh, Melina Melina, uh, right now in Elden Ring. And at this point in time, I have not fought a boss yet that I'm just like, uh, since uh, Ramella, where I'm just like, oh my God, this is, this is on another level where like, I remember fighting the guardian ape or, uh, God, the fourth boss in Sekiro, forget he he shot lightning at you. Um, you know, oh there some, yeah. Up in the tower. Yeah. I'm blanking. On this yeah. yeah I can't, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm bad at Japanese pronunciation. And if I can't pronunciate it, I'm not, I'm not going to try it, but like, you know, uh, Sword Saint, like that fight is insanity. Um, that is the Sword Saint is probably the hardest boss fight that I can think of of any game oh, really? I've played. Like it's epic, yeah. but oh my god, dude, that fight sweaty, sweaty. Yeah. yeah, and and like it gave you a great like sense of progression when you fought the Guardian Ape. You're like, and I kicked your ass, and then they're like, yeah, but like do it this time with two of them. Like, oh, and come then you on. Do it. <laughs> but then you do it and you're like oh my god this is awesome so to me like i feel like sekiro has the best feeling of of, of boss fights but like i have to give it to elden ring it is just such a magnificent open world where i am legitimately like 
I would like to say nearing a hundred hours in this game. And I think the magic of, of Elden Ring is you're still going, Oh, Oh crap. This is, I've never seen this before. Yeah. You're like, you're still finding new stuff hundreds of hours into the game. And there's, there is something to applaud there because you don't see that in a lot of, well, really you don't see that ever in, in games. So like, that's where like the, the discovery in an, in Elden Ring is unmatched. And I think that's its strongest strength, um, you know, or, or, or attribute um, is that you can just go somewhere and find something or find a new item that does something absolute crazy, like shooting meteors out of the sky or like build like gravity wells to suck in your opponents and then just give them a go to whack. Um, so I, I, I really feel like at times, sometimes it does feel like a from software greatest hits, like the, the whirlwind, the, the whirlwheel from Bloodborne is in oh, here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I love that. Because uh, that weapon kicks ass. But, like, it, it's legitimately amazing. And it sucks in a sense that, like, I was really loving Horizon. I beat Horizon. I think it's great. But I'm just like, it's obvious that Elden Ring is the game of the year. It's it's like, it's obvious. And that, yeah, it's going to be some some passionate conversations for game of the year this year. Um, but I've said this once, and I'll say it again. If... If but Starfield is going to be in the conversation, that game is going to have to hit hard. That game is going that's to hit a, real hard. That's the thing too. It's like with with uh, it's great because I get to ask you, the Xbox fanboy, the uh, the Xbox is like, do we now have an expectation where we feel like RPGs and open world should be where like it's going to kind of be a slight against Starfield in a way, like, like weighted against it because we just experienced what many people feel like is a perfect RPG in Elden Ring. Or you think that because they're so drastically different, it's going to, it still has a, you know, the opportunity to be, and I'm going to sense this word. (laughs) See, I am confident that Starfield will deliver what people want from a Bethesda game with this title. Um, but we are in a world where now the expectations and there are all these different styles of what an open world RPG is. Mm. And so I'm hoping that the gameplay of Starfield is elevated over, over Elder Scrolls and Fallout, because as much as I love those worlds, as much as I love the, the, the way you can immerse yourself in it, the gameplay to me feels dated. And I think when you play something like Elden Ring or you play something like even Breath of the Wild, you, you see that, okay, you can do an open world game and you can also have really good combat. You yeah. don't necessarily have to lose really good combat to have an open world RPG. And so that's going to be the struggle I think Starfield will have, is that if that engine isn't dramatically revamped, that people who just came off the back of stuff like Elden Ring are going to say, like, oh, yeah, the world's great, the exploration's great, the story is great, but... And I think there will be some glaring butts if the gameplay isn't dramatically different than Elder Scrolls. But yeah, um, yeah, I still think it's going to be great. Will it be a banger? See, that's the biggest question. You're talking to someone who's very skeptical of sci-fi RPGs. I haven't connected. Oh, okay. I haven't connected with most of the big sci-fi RPGs. Mass Effect yeah. is is one that I bring up constantly because it's a game that I get why people love, but I really didn't love it. And I, I'm not saying it's a bad game by any means, but it didn't connect. I feel with like me. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, and again, I I know people love Mass Effect, but it's not yeah. just Mass Effect. Anytime I've tried to play a sci-fi focused RPG, it just hasn't hooked me. And so, if Starfield manages to hook me, 
Um, that'll be it. I think the Outer okay. Worlds is probably the closest that we've come. I I think I can confidently say the Outer Worlds is my favorite sci-fi RPG by a lot. Unless you count Fallout 3 as sci-fi, which, yes. Yeah, no, it's definitely Mass Effect 2. It's not even so, close to me. I'm excited for Starfield to come out and for Absolutely. people to get their hands on it. Um, also, can I say real talk? Yeah. Going back just to acquisitions for just a second, because every time I hear Obsidian, I just, I still am amazed that it took that long for them to get acquired. Because, like, they are, again, they're the most, like, them and Ninja Theory are the most exciting acquisitions to me Xbox ever made, because these are two insanely talented studios that now have massive budgets. I cannot wait to see what Obsidian does, man. They are, they have proven to be one of the most consistent developers. And yeah. that's why I'm always, no matter what they're doing, like even if it's RTS first person game, I'm excited because obsidian's involved and they, regardless of the, the genre or the perspective, they, they have proven they know how to make games and they have proven to be efficient as hell. They are pumping out games fast that are really, really good. And that is, that is wild in this day and age where games are taking six plus years to develop. So yeah, Obsidian, Ninja Theory. I'm, I'm excited for the Outer Worlds 2, Hellblade 2, really have that big old sack of money, that huge budget, and just to let them really you know, go all in on it. Yeah. All right, Joe, fi final topic for today's episode. We're just going to have some fun. The, ba the back okay. part of the show, we're just going to get silly. We're going to get weird. Hope you all watching want to get weird and silly. Um, in this week's episode of Checkpoint, we touched on the possibility of Killer Instinct coming back. We touched mm. on Phil Spencer coming out and saying, yeah, you know, we'd love to do Killer Instinct, trying to find the right team, etc." cetera. Um, part of those conversations were the possibility of Bandai Namco being involved. Bandai Namco uh, famously doing titles like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Soul Calibur, a respected legacy fighting game developer. And so that got me thinking. When Jez starts bringing up Bandai Namco, you know where my brain immediately went. Where's that Xbox mascot fighter? If they're doing Absolutely. Killer Instinct, scrap that, put that on the back burner, jump straight into the Xbox mascot fighter. So in the last episode of Xbox Chatterdays, your your good pal, your your grandfather Ains and I, we uh, we talked about and we we hashed out great grandfather, great the five grandfather. most iconic Xbox mm -hmm. mascots as voted by the viewers. So what I want to do here is let's let's build the Xbox mascot fighter. Let's let's talk about what that would look like. And the first question I'll ask you is, would you be excited about this? As a PlayStation fan who endured PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, uh, would you want to see Xbox dive into this well? Yes, but don't make PlayStation All-Stars. You know what I mean? Like the, the problem with PlayStation All-Stars is it's a great idea. Again, you have all these legacy characters in, a, like, in an arena. Don't try to mix up the formula. Copy worry, smash one to one. I'm just sorry. copy, just copy it one to one. Even throw in a star that makes you totally bullcrap. <laughs> like just, just do it. Just be unabashedly Super Smash Brothers, and you're gonna. That that's my first and like foremost thing. Yeah, gotta be. God, gotta. That said, here's what I want. First character that pops into my head is uh, the Fallout guy. And I mean, in, like, in, like legit. power armor or like. Like Pip Boy, like I want, I want the Pip Boy. Yeah, okay, yeah. I don't want like your character in Fallout Three or whatever, or Power Suit Guy. No, no, no. There's enough people in green in this one. I want Pip Boy 
in there 110%. And he could be like the Mr. Game and Watch, where yeah, he's completely 2D, yeah. you know? So that would be my first one. Okay. I like that. My second pick, if I'm, I'm building out this mascot, um, I definitely want... I'm 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 trying to take a look at some of the outside studios, right? But then I'm also feeling like Psychonauts 2 had such like having Raz in there. I I think Raz could become like their ratchet in a sense of like here's this cool platformer that we have. So I think Raz in there could be kind of like um oh god, Ness in Super Smash Brothers. Again, I'm trying to build one-to-one clones of 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 smash characters so that's where my head's coming at um we're gonna have the skyrim guy he's gonna be a link clone okay so i can see so that so da um and like Dovah he could King? do is that is... yeah dova king yeah. there you go um let's see so we got three in here what's what's number four what would be a really good because like everybody's gonna say master chief that's the lazy yeah Ma- yeah master chief that's the obvious one and i love what i love about smash bros is they dig into the well they pull out exactly. some obscure stuff and introduce characters you maybe didn't even know of so you know a character i want to see and i'm blanking on his name the lead from grabbed by the ghoulies rare oh damn okay so grabbed by the ghoulies because i was thinking blinks the cat oh blinks the times yeah let's go yeah. let's keep it weird Grab by the ghoulies guy, that whole game revolves around grabbing whatever object you can find and beating things with it. So like you could easily lean into that and just have him pull out whatever assortment of stuff from his body. Yeah. Um I wanna see I wanna see killer instinct characters. Like if they are gonna do it, I'd love sure. to see Jago, Fulgore, Saberwolf. Let's go. I'll pretend like I know those names. Oh wow. I'm not a fighter guy. If it's not Smash Brothers, I don't really okay. mess with it. Well, at least Smash Bros. is the most important fighting game of all time. So it really is. Um, Anybody that says it's Super not. Smash Bros. Ultimate is the greatest fighting game of all time. I will say yeah. it once. I'll say it every single day until somebody proves me wrong. Xbox needs to step up and dethrone it. Can they? Will they? Probably I think not. so. I don't think. I mean, I want I them want to. Either. I don't think they're going to do it, but maybe. Who knows? But OK, here's here's the most important question. The art style. What are we doing about it? Because all these characters are gonna look so different. And I seen like um what's that like WB multiverse game? Like, oh yeah, like, yeah. I I don't want I don't want a single art style. I want them all to look like they they belong in a separate universe. You know what I mean? Like I want Master Chief to look like Master Chief, not cartoon or cell shaded. I want him to look like the Master Chief, and I feel like that's very important. I think they could do. I mean, I think Super Smash Bros. Again is a is a great foundation for an art style that works. They do keep certain characters very stylized, like Mr. Game and Watch, as you touched on, is two D. Um, but I, yeah, I just don't want it cell shaded. As long as it's not cell shaded, as long as it's not cartoony, I want yeah. each character to feel like they are coming out of their own universe into this game. Yeah, I also I got, I got my last one, and I you know this one isn't. The craziest pick, like, like you could definitely, it would definitely be in here. Like, he would be an Echo Fighter, but I wanted to be a real fighter. Um, I'm thinking, who would be the Captain Falcon? And I think Captain Fla- Falcon is really, f- like, 
like not in the way you guys think, but like very flamboyant. Like he's very like, I'm Captain Falcon. I got the style. I got the pizzazz. Exactly. Falcon punch. Like I'm going to name my moves. If there's anybody that's going to name their moves, it's, it's, it's Cole from Gears of War. He's going to be oh. my Captain Falcon main. And like, he's going to be like, dope. like when he's doing like the Falcon punch, he's like, Cole train, baby. Woo. And like, <laughs> it's like, I've run on whole grants. Like, boom. Like, oh my God. Yes. Yeah, Gears, yes. Gears, yes. Gears needs a couple reps at least. Coltrane would be a fantastic... Because like you said, yeah. very charismatic, very very vocal. You could see yeah. him shouting out all of his moves. Ooh. Yeah. Coltrane, yeah, he's a Captain Falcon. He's a Fa Captain Falcon clone. Yeah. That, that is a... And I'm trying and to think like, if there's any other more obscure ones that we're not thinking yeah. of. But Ram would also be the Gan uh, Ganondorf of clone as well oh the General slower Ram. meteor version of the yep. gears yeah okay yep. i like that i like that there you go uh, I'm, I'm not giving i'm not giving them all away but i i think i got some i think i got, got some, some all right today. xbox i hope you're listening all right That's also right. phantom dust two lead characters from phantom dust echo fighters of each other boom slap i'll not agree but who like can anybody name a character from phantom dust <laughs> No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think like 5,000 people have played that game total, yeah. but you know doesn't mean it can't come back. Okay. That's right. That's right. It'll happen. Oh, uh, all right, Joe. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Xbox Chatterdays. I appreciate all the amazing people who joined us live. If you're listening on audio services, appreciate you listening. Joe, for the beautiful yes. people here. Where can they get a hold of you? Where can they blast you about Bloodborne? Um, where can they spam you at, at Mr. Bad Take? Um, whoa, whoa. How much should Aidens pay you to say that? <laughs> Zero dollars. That is out of the bottom of my heart. Okay. Let me, real talk. I love doing this show with you. The coffee kicked in like a quarter way through the show and I was on a different level of creative thought. <laughs> um, but thank you. So thank you for dealing with me. This was fantastic. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. So you can find me over at Mr. Bad Bit or at Mr. Good Take over on Twitter. <laughs> you can find my show over at PS Trophy Room on Twitter as well. You can find my show all about PlayStation, the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players, made for the players, or me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest and greatest in all things PlayStation. Again, this week, we're joined by the lovely uh, Jonathan Dornbush. Uh, we got some really cool and exciting guests and interviews that I'm very excited about uh, coming down the pipeline. So make sure you tune into the trophy and wherever you get your podcast service of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or the video version over at the Trophy Room Show on YouTube. So there you go. That's That's where you can find me. Beautiful. Joe, appreciate you. I'm glad we could come together. We could bridge the gap between the Xbox fanboys and the PlayStation fanboys. And we can say, you know what? It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be, have to be ugly, like y'all. We can, we can have, you know, different preferences for video game yeah. platforms and not want to violently, I don't know, attack each other online. Yeah. Oh, also, if I could just say one thing. Um, and this one is a, this one's to, to jazz. Um, just Corden, if you're watching, if you're listening, please stop posting the food pics. <laughs> I saw, I saw a frozen pickle lollipop thing. I was haunted for days. <laughs> it's like a at this point, 
I Jez is going to have to start eating the things he posts. All right, that's where I'm at. If he's going to post that vile, disgusting garbage on my Twitter feed, he's going to have to eat it. I want a video of him eating a, a popsicle or whatever the heck, whatever God. Well, you know he's going to call that bluff. He's you're going to see him like a video of him eating mayonnaise. Just let's go know, out of the jar. Yeah, let's. If he if he has the gumption to do that, then I'll allow whatever food he wants to post. Fair game. I feel like he's the anti-Shuhei Yoshida. Shuhei will like post this beautiful, like delicate, like thing, right? It's this beautiful meal I've never seen before. And then Jez is just like, I made a mayo sandwich, <laughs> mayo pickle sandwich. And just, I'm like, please stop. Please <laughs> uh, stop. stop. Love you, uh. Jez. Come on the show. That's that's my open invitation. Come on the show. Come, come, come on down. Okay, you know. everybody. We are wrapping this up. Have a fantastic weekend and take care.